What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and this week I have a really fun conversation for you guys. Uh, This week I sat down with Billy Meredith, trail name Wahoo, and he is the new holder of the calendar year Triple Crown record. Uh, He did this hike self-supported, which is crazy, which means basically he did it in the through-hiker ethic. Uh, And for those of you who are not aware what the calendar year Triple Crown is, so there's sort of three major hiking trails in the United States. I mean, there are a lot, but the sort of the three biggest ones are the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. Um, To do a Triple Crown is to hike all three trails, and to do a calendar year Triple Crown is to do all three trails in a single calendar year. It's a crazy accomplishment. It's well over 7,000 miles. I think for Billy, it came out to around 7,500 miles. Um, It takes you through all sorts of conditions, all kinds of terrain, and less than 20 people have accomplished the feat of even completing a calendar year Triple Crown, but Billy took it a step further and decided I'm going to do it faster than anyone had ever done it. Uh, And he did set that record while being self-supported. He did it in 234 days, which came out to around 32 miles a day. Can you imagine that? Like over a 50K for over a 50K for 234 days. It's just insanity. Um, Yeah. So I had a really, really fun time in this conversation to you know, pick someone's brain who does a lot longer efforts than I do. You know, like I hiked the AT in 2019, but this is almost four times longer than my longest effort. Um, and a lot, a lot faster. So, um, plus Billy, uh, just seems like a really great guy. It was an easy conversation for me. It was a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to like this one. I certainly enjoyed, uh, recording this episode. So, Billy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and congratulations on your effort. You have deserved a nice long break from anything, (laughs) and I hope you're taking it. Guys, before we get to the episode, let me tell you of the sponsor for this episode, Infinite Nutrition. Uh, For those of you who listen to the podcast, you know Infinite. It is a total nutrition powder that you mix into your water. Um, with infinite, you can get all of your protein, all your carbs, all your electrolytes, caffeine, and more. It can all be customized to your specific liking. I like infinite because it simplifies my nutrition while I'm doing big efforts. I basically just have to drink my infinite and I know I am all set to go. I use the infinite on my long trail FKT, on both of my New Hampshire 48 FKTs, on my recent winter hut traverse FKT, uh, at Bubba's, basically any big effort that I've done in the last four years has been with Infinite and uh, works really well for me. So if you guys want to try it out, head on over to their website, uh, which is in the show notes, and use the code from the backcountry, all one word, for 15% off your order. Um, that includes their custom mixes, which they will give you a, uh, a consultation for your custom uh, mix for free. So If you want to try them out, go on over and use the code. Um, And I hope you guys enjoy the episode. This was a lot of fun for me. Um, I hope it's a lot of fun for you. Thanks again, Billy. Uh, Mr. Wahoo, as it were. Congrats on your record. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Wahoo Meredith. Thank you. Thanks for uh, having me. Absolutely. Uh, 
so you just got off one of what I think is one of the coolest long distance projects out there, which is the calendar year triple crown. And uh, you set the FKT for it. Uh, it's, 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 it's just like a crazy effort. And I have so many questions about it, but first just like, how are you've been off trail for a couple weeks now? How are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's been a little less than two weeks. Um, yeah, it's, I'm feeling good now. Um, yeah, I finished December. Well, I hit Springer December 22nd, but I hiked the extra nine miles down to Amicalola the next morning, basically just so I could have like family and friends see me because I was finishing like in the dark uh, the night before and stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, anyways, I finished right before Christmas. Um, so we already had family over at the house, like when I finished and everything. So it was just kind of hectic. Um, didn't, get to rest quite as much I guess as I had hoped initially I just felt guilty you know like if I just slept <laughs> in my bed through the holidays so and then I went to my sister's house in Savannah for New Year's um, so yeah I've been busy and just got back the other day so I'm finally starting to get to rest now and as we were saying before um, now is also kind of when the soreness is actually hitting a little more like right when I finish I felt okay Mm-hmm. Um, I was still actually waking up early. I wouldn't, I didn't sleep in as late as you might think um, after finishing something like that. But I think my brain and my body were still just like in go mode, like ready to keep hiking. <laughs> and now that it's finally setting in that I'm done. Um, yeah. I'm a little sore, sore now. I tried to go for like a three mile run the other day and I just felt like I was going in slow motion. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I'm yeah. going to pass on that for a little bit longer and try and rest the legs up some more. For sure. No, there's got to be some serious deep fatigue setting in with you right now. So what, what's, what's mostly sore? Um, just some joints, some knees, uh, ankles, um, quads (laughs) mostly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's, and it was stuff, I guess there at the end too, I was taking a little bit of ibuprofen. Um, I had a knee injury, Mm -hmm. um, at the end for like the last four or 500 miles. So I was kind of just like, those last like four or 500 miles were kind of brutal and I was just riding on caffeine and ibuprofen <laughs> to kind of just get me through to the finish. Um, and now I think I'm kind of paying for it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not d- taking anything like that. It didn't look like your weather was incredible towards the end either. No. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, by the end it was December, so it was below freezing and dark for, I was night hiking for at least a third of the day, um, every day. Um, and then in the Smokies right there at the end, I got, some rain which then the rain would turn into ice at night which made Mm -hmm. you know for sketchy descents and stuff like that so yeah i mean finishing that the at on the at from october to december was just a lot of night hiking a lot of battling with like just trying to stay awake to get the miles in yeah did you so you said that now is when you're feeling the soreness did your body adapt and feel pretty good while you were out there or like what what was sort of the day-to-day like physically for you? Yeah, to be honest, um, yeah, I would say at the beginning when I started the hike, um, my first few days I was doing like 26. I didn't want to get injured right off the bat. Yeah, smart. I was excited to get into like the 30s. So I basically I averaged 32 miles a day out there mm-hmm. for 234 days. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, your body gets used to it. You know, we call it getting your trail legs on a through hike. And yeah. I figured that would happen at some point because, to be honest, I, did, I came into this without any trail legs. I was snowboard instructing in Steamboat Springs right before this. And I basically went from that. I took two weeks off from when that season ended to when I started May 2nd. So I didn't have any trail legs going into it. 
and I just figured I could build up to it. Um, and then, yeah, once I got in the groove of doing like 35 to 40 miles a day, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy now, but I, you know, you're sore, but yeah, you get used to it. And really the only things that bothered me, the only, I guess, injuries I would consider that I had were knee issues. Mm -hmm. Um, one happened, I mean, it was, it was random. I don't know how it happened, but it was after well, I closed out the CDT with like a 50 mile day and a 47 mile day. And I probably yeah. shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and my right knee was bothering me, uh, when I hopped on the PCT, um, and it would lock up some, and that was like really painful. And it eventually just, just went away. I kind of hiked through it and then mm. getting into the whites. Um, I just, I mean, you know, living up there, those mountains are brutal and, uh, my body just wasn't used to those super steep inclines, uh, and descents. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, my knees just got sore, uh, from doing that. And I actually wore a knee brace for a while. Mm, um, yeah. And that healed up eventually after wearing the brace. And then at the end, like I mentioned, those last like 500 miles, actually when I was night hiking, I tripped and not the knee I was wearing a knee brace on, but the other knee I, that was, I had issues with earlier in the trail, um, it fell and I hit a rock Oof. and I re-aggravated whatever was going on in that meniscus. And then I basically was like limping the entire last like 400 miles. But aside from those knee issues, um, like muscle wise, yeah, it's just like some soreness, but, um, I didn't really didn't take any ibuprofen there until the end. I ended mm -hmm. up getting a couple infections like on my heel and on my toes um mm, mm. i think was like from like going through standing water and stuff on the cdt there's a lot of just like fording some nasty questionable stuff sure and i had basically kind of some wounds that i think got infected but luckily my sister's a pediatrician and she was able to call me in uh some some uh prescriptions so oh hell yeah that's sweet. yeah that saved me a little time <laughs> uh so like what does a you know, obviously the days vary based on weather and time of year and terrain and stuff, but like say, say your, your average 35 to 40 mile day, what does, what does that look like? Like take us from like wake yeah. up to, to go to bed and sort of the time frame of it too. Right. Um, yeah. So I typically would like to be up by sunrise, especially when the days were getting shorter on the AT, I would wake up two hours before sunrise uh, just mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be doing all the night hiking on the back end because that was making me tired but yeah I want to maximize daylight so that's kind of the main priority um, the day goes by quicker obviously when you can have stuff to look at and for sure uh, it's just like warmer so yeah I'd wake up um, a little bit before sunrise um, I like at the beginning I was kind of naive like I've through hiked before and I would you know set up my camp and stuff like that so I would set up a tent at the beginning didn't take me long to realize that's just such a waste of time. <laughs> um, same with like having an inflatable sleeping pad and stuff. So once I started getting dialed in, um, I'd wake up, just fold up my sleeping pad. My, the main goal, like the biggest battle of the day was just waking up. It yeah. was cause you know, you just wrapped up a 36 mile day or whatever. And then, I mean, you sleep for six or seven hours, which goes by like that. And half the time you're not getting great sleep. <laughs> so, and then you're right back at it. It just felt, you know, it felt like it was nonstop. So the biggest battle of the day was not snoozing the alarm. It was getting things packed up and just getting on the move. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't like wake up, brush my teeth, eat breakfast, that kind of thing. I just wanted to get stuff in my bag and get going, especially at the end. 
when you're waking up in the dark and it's 17 degrees, you don't, the only thing keeping you warm is your sleeping bag. Right. So you don't want to get out of that. And so just waking up and be like forcing yourself out of that, then getting moving is really the only thing that's keeping you warm at that point. So like Ugh. you're in a rush. So yeah, I just wanted to get on trail and get that tiny win uh, to start the day to like wake up without snoozing the alarm. So I throw everything in my bag. Once I had my headlamp on, I normally would just like throw on some music to try and like wake me up too. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would brush my teeth. Basically everything I do is like while I was moving. So I'd brush my teeth while I was moving. I'm sure you know about this, but like eating breakfast while I was moving, I try and get in like the 10 before 10, which is kind of like what was like a through hike here challenge. Like for a normal through hike is doing 10 miles before 10 AM. I tried to make that like the standard every day. Cause if I could do that, then that means I'm on a pretty good, pretty good pace to to knock out 35 or 40 or whatever I need. Yep. Um, once I kind of got to that point, sun would be up, be feeling awake, throw on like a podcast. I listen to like a lot of rich roll podcasts out there. Um, yeah. And um, I would kind of base my days. Cause honestly there were days where I would hike pretty much nonstop without taking my pack off. Like when mm-hmm. I take breaks, a lot of times, like once I started getting like where I had my snacks dialed in, I could just like eat on the fly and I wouldn't even really have to take my pack off unless I needed to shed some layers. Um, sure. And I would, even when I would sit down, I would just kind of like have my pack on. So I try and like plan my breaks around like good viewpoints and stuff like that, like that I would see on far out coming up um, just cause I really didn't take many breaks. Um, mm-hmm. I did take a lot of photos. I carried a camera with me, um, which obviously isn't super ultralight, but I was alone for so many miles out there and I knew that would be kind of my one like thing of enjoyment if the, if I was having a crappy day or if like the hiking wasn't super interesting or it was rainy or whatever. Yeah. Um, having my camera brought me some comfort and that just slowed me down too to like enjoy some moments and take in the scenery. So yeah, basically would just move nonstop. I stopped taking like long lunch breaks initially. I would take like an hour lunch break just cause that's what I was used to on a through hike. And then yeah, I, yeah. I didn't need to do that. Um, so I just moved nonstop. Um, some days if there was a town, if I, if I needed a resupply, obviously I'd go in. If I didn't need to resupply, um, I might allow myself like 10 to 15 minutes to hitch, see if I could stick my thumb up and get a quick hitch just for like the morale boost of getting like a burger or a shake or just getting real food in me, Mm -hmm. getting actual nutrients. Um, if I didn't get a quick hitch, I would just give up on it and keep hiking. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, at night, dude, I would, I would just hike. I didn't really have set campsites unless I was in like a national park or something like that where you're, where you have to, um, I would just hike until I got tired basically. Um, <laughs> and then would just throw my, my ground sheet down, unfold my pad on like some flat piece of dirt and, uh, yeah, just pass out for a few hours. Um, yeah and then get back at it the next morning (laughs) interesting okay gosh i I have so many questions so the um i'm interested in gear i want to come back to that i had something else that i wanted to ask you before i asked about gear um oh what were you doing for food were you were you mostly cold soaking or were you cooking every day or uh, like especially when you (laughs) stopped like stopped stopping for lunch what did what did the meals look like Oh my gosh. It was just like nonstop snacking. I was eating <laughs> like at the, by the end, I was just eating like a third grader, dude. Like, <laughs> like I was just eating Uncrustables, like 10 Uncrustables and like goldfish and like a lot of Snickers bars. But yeah, like 
like Uncrustables and Snickers bars were like the go-to just fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't carry a stove. Um, yeah, obviously just for weight reasons and just time wise, I wasn't like cooking up backpacker meals. I kind of went into it thinking it would be more like a through hike. And even though I didn't carry a stove, I thought I would cold soak more and just, then I quickly realized that averaging 32 miles a day means that you're hiking more like 36 is. Uh, yeah, 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 for and, sure. You got to so make up once, for. Yeah, just like resupplies or like horrible weather and stuff like that. So yeah. it quickly turned from what it went from like what felt like more of a through hike and to like, yeah, just like an old nonstop ultra marathon. <laughs> but yeah, man, I was just like nonstop snacking for the most part. And yeah, like, I mean, when you're doing 35 miles a day, you are actually getting to road crossings and towns more frequently. And mm -hmm. like I said, I would try and go in to get a meal, even if I didn't need it just for the nutrients, because I was just eating garbage out there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It's like my least favorite part of through hiking and just like this kind of effort is just the diet for that many months on end. For sure. Because uh, a lot uh, of times you're going to gas stations to resupply um, just because they're more convenient and quicker, you know, if you're behind on your miles as opposed to everyone else is going into town and going to the grocery store. So, yeah. Did you have a staple snack that was like, this is this is what I actually look forward to eating or this is what gets me um, through? It just kind of evolved out there. Yeah, because I mean, something I would enjoy at the beginning of the trail, I, w I wasn't eating at all. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like I enjoyed like Nilla wafers a lot. That was like kind of <laughs> one like and peanut butter, just like throwing peanut butter on Nilla wafers. Yep. Um, it was always like a good snack. But yeah, I mean, I just got sick of everything like the Bobo bars and stuff because <laughs> I, I like I was over Cliff Bar. So I was like, all right, Bobo bars will be my bar this time. And now I just can't eat another one of those either. So interesting yeah um okay do you know around how many calories you were putting down a day um i mean i was aiming for like six thousand. um i don't know if i always hit that yeah um, yeah another point on nutrition too um i eventually started doing like the greens packets um it wasn't like the athletic greens i'm sure you might have heard of oh sure i've heard of that. um it was like the I started doing like the Laird Hamilton like version. It was like Laird's Daily Greens or whatever. They're super similar to like Athletic Greens, but yeah, I I, I my mom would send a shoebox out every two weeks, um, and in that she would include. I had subscribed to that, so it'd get shipped home, and she mm -hmm. would include those like greens packets in there. So I started mixing those into my water, um, just because I could tell I was pretty deficient. Where um, is that? Is that mostly like vitamins and minerals? Right. Or? Yeah. It's supposed and it's just like kind of veggies in a packet. Oh, okay. Okay. It has like some spinach and like carrots and some other stuff that are yep. like grounded up into a powder that you just mix in with water. So a lot of times I would drink my calories too, or just like every time I'd go to a gas station or something, I'd have like one of those like core power protein shakes and like a V8, <laughs> just sure. trying to like drink my <laughs> nutrients. Uh, but interesting um cool okay so i'm also interested about gear uh obviously you you were going pretty light for this uh outside of the camera setup what mm -hmm. what what were your big three um well even that changed too um so i started out like with a with a single person like big agnes tent yep um and then swapped that out just because i wasn't setting it up much so i was like i don't need to carry these poles even though they were like light Mm -hmm. um and so then i switched to the um was it like the z packs uh plex solo tent 
Oh, sure. Which, even that I still rarely set up, to be honest with you. Um, especially once I got to the AT and I could use shelters, um, yeah, yeah, that for kind sure. of thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I basically cowboy camped every night. So I wouldn't even set up a tent um, unless <laughs> there was bad weather in the forecast or a lot of mosquitoes. Um, and then I switched from a, I think it, no, yeah, it was a big Agnes uh, inflatable sleeping pad super quickly again within the first few weeks i just switched back to the nemo um switchback yeah fold out pad and then um let's see sleeping bag i i had it a big agnes um 20 degree bag that i used for most of the trip until i got to the at i switched over to like a 10 degree bag that i'd previously mm. used from rei and then honestly it was getting like so cold some nights that i ended up uh grabbing my enlightened equipment uh quilt and and just kept that on top of my sleeping bag uh, mm, a lot yeah, of yeah. because i just found i'd rather carry that little extra weight than just not be able to sleep after like a 36 mile day which was yeah hilarious. being cold is just like it's it's worth the extra weight to not right. be cold at night yeah and i yeah so by the end my pack was actually over 30 pounds um just because i was carrying a lot of layers mm -hmm. um yeah and that extra sleeping bag and yeah I, I really wanted to make sure i was comfortable out there so i wasn't as ultra light as you might think on like just like a five-day effort or seven-day effort or whatever you know you can go kind of being uncomfortable or you can you can time it more with a weather window but when you're out there for eight months i wanted to be more i actually carried more weight than i anticipated i carried around 30 pounds the whole way because hmm. i rather i would rather have more gear on me and be prepared for those random days that come through. Cause I can't just hop off trail and burn time. Like going, you know, if there's not like a gear store around, which oftentimes there wasn't, then I may not be getting what I needed for like a week or more. And mm -hmm. I just couldn't burn time, like hitchhiking in and out. So I kind of just, like, I carried spare headlamp batteries and just like extras of certain things. Um, yeah. That I thought were essential. Like I always had two pairs of headphones in case one shorted. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. That's interesting. It's also like my, I don't know. I think people conflate light and fast way too much. And I think mm -hmm. that light, light can be fast, but if you're not, like you said, if you're not prepared for something, you, you can end up getting really slowed down by the fact that you're not carrying certain pieces right. of equipment. So I think, totally. I think that's super smart. Yeah. And I, and I learned that again, kind of the hard way at the beginning, just having stuff happen and yeah, just not being prepared for every condition. But yeah, I, I again, to, to do something that's this long, you have to be comfortable because I mean, it's those if you get caught in a bad storm and you're not prepared, that's the kind of stuff that'll make people quit, right? Like right. If you're, yeah. if you're not prepared. So and there are rough days out there where sometimes you just kind of have to bunker down and like live to see another day. That was kind of the motto for a lot <laughs> of it is just like getting through those days and just not quitting. <laughs> mm hmm. Okay, I've jumped the gun slightly. I like dove into your effort without like talk, asking about you or your background, but I, I'm very interested sure. in you. Basically, all I know about you, well, I learned at the beginning of this conversation that your family lives in Georgia. Mm -hmm. I, I picked that up. And then I also know that you hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2019, which is the year I hiked the Appalachian Trail. Nice. So uh, first of all, like, what what were your start and finish dates on the ATM? Interested if we could have crossed paths at some point. Um, yeah, I had a late start. I started May 6th and I didn't finish until October 5th. Oh, okay. I started yeah. May 1st and I finished in August. So we nice. didn't have crossed paths. No, but yeah. So you went pretty quick, huh? 
relatively i mean not yeah. as, not as fast as you did on this southbound one <laughs> yeah right yeah i yeah i hiked it with my best friend um just being from georgia you know that was something we had always talked about doing since we were like 18 so yeah yeah so what else is your what's what's your background hiking and otherwise before you yeah um so the 18 and 19 was was my first through hike and yeah at the time i thought that was like the hardest thing i've ever it was <laughs> the most amazing thing i've ever done but it was so challenging um and yeah then after that just kind of caught the bug um as far as hikes go after that one uh, my next hike wasn't until 2020 um i did the benton mckay trail and yep. that was kind of more of a solo hike had a couple of friends come out but then let's see i attempted the pct with that same friend um in 2021 we attempted sobo and we mm -hmm. got through washington and oregon and then that was the year the wildfires were super bad right so yeah. we got forced off trail there they just shut the whole pct down in california for a while so i actually hopped over to the colorado trail with a bunch of other southbounders that year completed that um and then kind of yeah i still was done a little earlier because I, I quit my job again to through hike and i was like well i was still anticipating hiking at this time so i decided i was going to do the penhody trail um that november like right after or october it was like right after i got off the colorado trail and then i was like well maybe i should fast pack it since i'm going solo because i started getting into ultra running a little bit mm -hmm. and i was like oh fast pass packing sounds cool and i was like well maybe i'll look at the fkt and see what the fkt was and so i did that and actually attempted an fkt on the pinhoti trail and that would have been 2021 and made it about probably like 70 percent of the way through about yep. on pace and i knew nothing like i just hopped into it knowing nothing about fkts <laughs> and or like didn't really didn't plan out any logistics either i just kind of treated it like a through hike like i'll see how far i get each day and Mm -hmm. I remember I only brought one pair of socks. And yeah, it's tough. <laughs> and then it got wet on the Pinhoti Trail, and it was just kind of, like, humid and gloomy that whole week. And so my feet just stayed wet, and they got destroyed, and I quit. Um, <laughs> but I had one failed FKT attempt before this. And then after that, I did the Arizona Trail in 2022, mm -hmm. last October. Um and that was when I, I did that solo and that was when i started messing around with like doing 30s um i finished that in like less than a month and i was like okay i think i could do 30s like we'll see sure <laughs> and so yeah and i think that was yeah so i had about five thousand miles of through hiking coming into this that's that's yeah. sick but still this is like a i feel like this is a huge it's a huge swing for your first you know record or your your first fkt like that's a that's this is a big big project like right what, so when when did you decide I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be the fastest person to do the triple crown and like what what made you decide yeah I can do that? Um, yeah. So I started thinking about the calendar year. Um, I first heard about it when I was hiking the AT. Um, I remember in Duncannon at the Doyle they had like some sign up that was like said like congrats Anish on a calendar year triple crown because she had done, just finished it the year before mm -hmm. I was like what the heck is that and then I just <laughs> I could not wrap my head around the thought that somebody could do that and then yeah it's just as the years kind of uh, went by I just kept thinking about it and it seems like it was it's one of the few things or at least like athletic feats that like such few people have completed I think like less than 20 people had done it. Um, mm -hmm. So that was just appealing in and of itself. Like, man, like what makes this so challenging and kind of elusive? 
Um, so that first, that's what kind of started drawing me towards it. It's the same thing with the ultra running. It's like you, you run your first ultra and you're like, Oh, what if I could go farther and stuff like that? So it, that's kind of how I started thinking about the calendar year. And then if you sort the FKTs on fastestknowntime.com, like this, if you sort it by length, this is the longest one. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, that'd be so cool to have the longest one, the longest uh, route possible. And yeah, so I knew that I, I ended up caring more about the the record, honestly, than the calendar year. I kind of just yeah, yeah. went all in on it, uh, st- especially starting in May. Uh, most people start in like January, February, or March that are just trying to complete a calendar year. Um, yeah, true. allow right. themselves most of the year to do it, mm-hmm. uh, just to finish. I, I didn't start until May 2nd. Um, so I really was just kind of going all in on the, on the FKT. Um, and I actually wanted to do it last year. Um, so my goal was to do it last year and I moved to Hawaii after, um, that whole like Ben or uh, Penhody trail PCT year, I, I was working in Kauai on, on catamarans and I ended up just having such a good time over there, um, that I postponed doing it last summer. Um, so yeah, I postponed it and then I just couldn't shake the thought of, of doing it. And that's when I knew like, okay, I have to go for this. Cause a year later I was still just thinking about it a lot and I knew I would regret it if I didn't go for it. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. That's sick. Um, okay. Interesting. So, so you started May 2nd, you finished mm-hmm. December 23rd, December 22nd. Right. Um, that came out to you said 234 days. So I'm I'm interested in the um so officially on the FKT website the the record is is Heather Heather Anderson. Right. Um at like I, I think it's 251 days or uh, she might have been like 249 right. or 250. It is two two fifty-one. Okay. Um so two fifty-one, but then in the comments there's oh this guy uh this guy cam honan cam honan yeah uh, hiked it in in 236 days so when when you started looking at the record for this what was your thought process as far as deciding like given that the the record is a little bit murky right yeah so um, yeah, I saw that too. Um, just doing a little research, I can't, I found pretty quickly that Cam Honan did it in 236. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I knew that's what I was going for. Um, granted, you know, he didn't do it in FKT per se. Granted, I don't even, I think he did it in 2012. I don't, I don't even know if FKTs were around then or not. Um, yeah. But he didn't, I, I think I read somewhere that he didn't even carry a, a GPS device uh, on his mm. blog. I think I read that. So I don't even think he could have verified it. And quite honestly, I don't think he cared. I don't think he yeah, was yeah. going for an FKT that he did it as a part of some bizarre hike he did um, <laughs> called the 12 Long Walks, where mm-hmm. he did like over 10,000 miles and a year and a half. Um, so he's a beast. And uh, yeah, so I just, I don't think he probably ever submitted one um, or whatever it was. And granted you have to track it. And, um, but yeah, I knew I wanted to go for that time. Um, Cause I knew I, I wanted to do it and be the fastest person to have done it. Um, and I didn't know if he did it supported or self-supported. I, I think he, yeah. he did it mostly self-supported, but you know how s- stingy they are. And if you have one person that, you know, come out and like have lunch with you it counts as supported so i don't know 
necessarily what style he did it um but i knew that was the time that i wanted to go for um yeah so did you have any did you have any conversation because i've i've looked at this route before and and sort of like other multi multi-week routes and i've like i've been kind of confused about their criteria as far as self-supported did you have any conversations with them beforehand about like mm -hmm. hey what what is what is self-supported like what what counts as support versus not yeah yeah i had a lot of questions too because it is kind of murky um yeah i emailed i i had some emails uh with them before and even during uh just to kind of make sure i'll stick into the guidelines um yeah. Yeah. So one exception I know they make is allowing boxes to be shipped out to you mm -hmm. um, because, and yeah, I remember cause Jeff has an FKT, Jeff Garmeyer. And I remember like reading his book, like mentioning getting boxes and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I reached out to them and just like asked them what qualifies. And for, since it's such a long effort, um, they do allow you to like get boxes and the only like i said the only boxes i got just because it was so hard to plan logistics for this kind of thing which is every two weeks um getting my shoes shipped out to me yeah yeah um, but even during the course of it um i emailed them because i had a lot of people it was cool on instagram just reaching out that i'd never met just saying like hey like been following along like with your effort when you come through town like let me know and you can stay at my place mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm pretty sure that would have counted as supported so i do kind of yeah. regret and that like that would have been really cool to connect with strangers along the way and if i could go back maybe i would have gone that route and still just done it mostly self-supported but accepted some of that stuff yeah, yeah. no that's interesting it, it's it's like some of my personal gripes with the system like i think i so it sounds like they they said hitchhiking's fine on on the triple crown right like, as far as i understood it on on like the the appalachian trail record by itself you can't hitchhike if you're self-supported which makes no sense like i don't i don't really get that because it, huh. it like basically like at least to me the way that the at is set up right now on and and i guess the pct probably too is there there's no real category for like the through hiker style you know where you where mm. you you're hitchhiking and i yeah. I, I don't know it's, it's I would, yeah i would bit. have to look into that i'm not too familiar when i read on their website it sounded like as long as you can muster the support yourself on trail and right. it's not there specifically for you right um, then it's allowed which to me would sound like hitchhiking's okay but on the yeah no me too uh it's interesting yeah, yeah. But and this one's even murkier if you want to get into it on the calendar year. I mean, the CDT doesn't even have a designated route. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that too, because yeah. one of the it seemed like the it seemed like one of the uh one of the possible caveats with Cam Honan's time was that he and Heather and maybe Jeff too took like very different routes on the CDT. Right. And so I'm I'm wondering if maybe you get your opinion on like what you consider to be but for Obviously, people experience the CDT in in very different ways, and I'm not like discounting anyone's through hike. But for the mm -hmm. sake of like records and standardization, like what is what's your opinion on like what constitutes a CDT hike? Yeah, I mean, and who am I to say? <laughs> You're right. Like, uh, um, but what I did, I can tell you what I did. Um, I took alternates, um, just as everyone else has that's done mm -hmm. this. Um, granted, I think if you stick to like the red line on far out, it comes at over to over 3,100 miles, which would be like <laughs> almost 8,000 miles, which no calendar year triple crown, I don't believe has come close to that. Yeah. Um, so I basically just wanted to do mileage that was 
comparable to Cam and even Jeff's, even though his time wasn't necessarily what I was trying to be, it was still the listed self-supported FKT. Yeah. Um, so Cam did like in seven, like upper 7,400 and Jeff did about 7,600 and I did like just over 75. So yeah. I was kind of like right there, right in the middle. Um, but, and I think, and I think Heather's like looking at the math on one of her articles she wrote, she was like in the 73s maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it varies per person. Um, but yeah, just going for a record, I wanted to make sure I put up a fair amount of miles. Like I didn't want to just do like 71 or 72 and like yeah. claim it. So what I did on the CDT was I did take some alternates. Um, when I was heading northbound, I got to Colorado really quickly. Um, I got there, let's see, it would have been by the end of May or early June, I think actually it was. Um, and a lot of people, there was, it was a high snow year in Colorado. Um, yeah. so a lot of people were just kind of like road walking or like doing the bike route that goes around, uh, the San Juans. Yep. Um, I ended up flipping up and actually hiking southbound because I just didn't really feel comfortable doing that. And I knew mm-hmm. going through the San Juans that time of year would have slowed me down enough to probably throw me off pace. Um, yep. so I flipped up, I took my chances like hiking southbound um, in June, early June uh, through Montana, just knowing they didn't have nearly as high of a snow year. Mm-hmm. And then I actually went through the San Juans. I just wouldn't have felt comfortable like skipping that. It's one of the hardest parts and it's one of the most beautiful parts of the CDT. And uh, yeah, I, just, I wouldn't have felt comfortable like skipping that entire section. Um, yeah. Go, like, going for a record. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, and I did take some some alternates for sure, like the Gila River alternate. Every, a lot of people take that in New Mexico. I think the vast majority of people do because um, it's awesome. Like you're just wading up the river. It's super beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it does shave like 100 miles off like the official CDT sure. route or whatever. But it, even that, the official route's changing every year. So that's why they don't yeah. even offer an FKT for the CDT. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's that's something I feel like people... I don't know. I've, I've, I've been part of the conversations about like, oh, should we define something hard for the CDT? I'm like, there, there is no hard thing for the CDT right now. And I think like, I, I think that's something people kind of need to not need to, I mean, people can think whatever they want, but if I, my personal opinion is like this, the CDT is not nearly as well defined as the PCT and the AT and like, Mm -hmm. it's gonna, it being different, like I I agree with sort of your your ethic of you wanna you wanna be in the same mileage ballpark as as all the other people who have done this, but um, but it's gonna be different for everyone. I think that I think that's okay. I think that's like part of the sort of part of the nature and the charm of the PCT is that it is different. the CDT. The CDT, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone looks at that trail as like a choose-your-own-adventure trail, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, it was a little stressful for me to like hop on there and be like, okay, because like, I knew I wanted to get a certain amount of miles, and then I had to like calculate the difference in each like alternate, <laughs> which took some time. I wasn't doing that until I got on there, and then by the end, I was like, okay, I think 7,500 sounds like a good number. And mm-hmm. so I tried to kind of base my CDT alternates off of that number. Um, and I, I wanted to take the most scenic routes too. Like I, I wanted to see all the good stuff. Um, but yeah, I think if there was to be an FKT for it, obviously fast known time would have to define a route. So if you wanted to go for FKTs, you'd have to follow that one route. But for everyone else, yeah, I mean, you kind of just choose your own adventure along the way. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, so to help me like solidify in my head your route, because I have like the approximate dates of when you did which sections, but I don't know exactly like where those sections end. So the PCT started May 2nd, 
and then you mm-hmm. just section out to like May twentieth ish. What where yes. do you stop going northbound on the PCT the first section? So yeah, actually, um, just listed all those dates uh, recently for somebody. Um, <laughs> let me pull let me pull that up real quick. Sure. Um, but yeah, so okay, so I started yeah the PCT on May second, and I hiked up to to Hatchapi. Yep. Um, and the reason being there is because obviously not too much further past the Hatchapi is when you hit the Sierra. Um, and this was the highest snow year ever recorded, uh, for the Sierra. Um, so yeah, I opted to hop over to the CDT and that was on the 21st, um, is when I went over, uh, to the CDT, but basically, yeah, to Hatchapi, I could literally get a ride easily to the Bakersfield airport. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if I went up to Kennedy Meadows South, it would have been a lot harder getting out of there. So yeah, yeah. I ended up regretting that a little bit later because when I finished the CDT, I got back on at Tehachapi and that was, let's see, that would have been August or yeah, August 12th. (laughs) I was hiking (laughs) through the Mojave desert in like mid August, (laughs) which was not fun. Um, yeah, but anyways, yeah. So I flipped over to the, to the CDT, let's see the 21st started hiking on the 22nd and then mm-hmm. i flipped up from like ghost ranch new mexico um that would have been on june 7th and then i started hiking southbound in early june yeah uh, which is kind of crazy because i think most if you look it up online i think most people say like july 1st or like the last week of june is like a sobo cdt hike but yeah. yeah i mean i think maybe five other people had flipped up uh and started about the same day i did on the cdt but within a day or two you know i was out in front of them and then i was the first cdt sobo so that was kind of <laughs> intimidating not having like any far out comments to look at and like i talked to rangers and glacier and they're like oh well the seasonal footbridges aren't in yet oh, um, boy. and nobody's been up to these passes because i would ask them you know how snowy it was on through some of these passes and they just like couldn't tell me because they <laughs> nobody's been up there so <laughs> That was fun, uh, getting to find all that out by myself. But it yeah. wasn't; it was nowhere near as bad as Colorado. So I definitely made the, I think, the right choice. Yeah, and flipping up there. So yeah, then I finished the CDT. Let's see, that would have been on August 11th. Hopped back on it to Hatchapi, hiked all the way up um, to Washington on the 12th, and then I backtracked like 30 miles on the 13th to um, Mazama. And then got a ride literally that night to, uh, or I got a ride to Seattle that day after I finished, took a red eye that night, slept maybe two hours on the plane to Bangor, Maine, got a ride up to Katahdin. And I mean, literally that night was already, I hiked up Katahdin uh, that afternoon. I ended up night hiking down in like crazy wind, sub-freezing rain with like heavy (laughs) fog. I was like descending down Katahdin. So yeah, I mean, just I knew to save time, um, like those transitions between trails would be crucial for me because uh, Cam's time was like really impressive. I yeah, mean, especially with yeah, compared to like Jeff and Heather's time, he was like two weeks before them. And yeah, he ended up having some injuries and like got a like the poodle dog rash on the PCT, and I was like, all right, like that kind of like saves me some time. <laughs> like if I can be efficient, like on my transitions, but um yeah and then I, I hiked all the way down on the at um sobo uh until december 22nd so if you could do it over again would you flip 
uh, your second section of the PCT and go southbound from um, to avoid Where that is desert, it? or but you'd Um, still be, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I was okay. So then, what kind of? I was worried about wildfires at that point. So I wanted to get out of California as soon as possible Sure. because I was kind of scarred from a Sobo hike in twenty one where I didn't get to finish. Yeah. Um, because it was right around late August. It was like that last weekend in August when they shut California down. Yeah. So I didn't want to flip back up uh to Oregon or to start a southbound hike. um in august i was just worried about the wildfires and i wanted to clear the sierra as soon as possible plus yeah if i was hiking southbound i would have been then potentially running into snow at the end of the, like in october in the sierra you know um because I, I wouldn't have been finishing until october 12th so i just wasn't sure and and i did when i finished in washington i actually had to postpone an entire day i had to reschedule all my flights because october 11th um i was planning on finishing uh they got six inches of plus of fresh snow overnight so i had about 42 miles of the border i had my flight booked for the next day and everything and as i started climbing up to 5,000 feet i could just see all the mountains were covered in white and so that rainstorm that had gotten down low it was six fresh inches overnight and i was just trudging through the snow could bear like two miles topping out at two miles an hour Um, and I realized I wasn't going to be able to probably do the 42 miles and that's all I had food for. So I did like a 14 mile day and had to just called it a day and went into Mazama to Lion's Den and re rebooked all my flights and stuff. So I, I lost the whole day just because of a snowstorm. So I, I really was cutting it close and then heading to Katahdin like October 14th. That was pretty close to the finish as well. So, Yeah, that's interesting. yeah. So I've I've chopped this effort up a bunch of ways trying to trying to see like how can you how can you best avoid bad weather on either end? You know, how can you best avoid the winter weather? Mm Do you think that the way you did it was like the way to do it or would you change anything? hmm right um i don't know uh to be honest the way i did it starting in may i think has only been done once before by cam and that Mm was hmm literally because he was hiking all year leading up to that everyone else have, i think has had a choice to tackle the calendar year started Right. early season on the at um but yeah i knew so having seen him do it i knew it was possible this way um and honestly i partly just did it because i was snowboard instructing in steamboat uh, last winter and they're having a great snow year and i didn't want to leave uh, so i stayed through the entire season which was you know early
Washington, like just being able to like hop in my parents' car and like drive 90 minutes to their house after and That's like so sleep sweet. in my own bed that night was like an awesome feeling. So I don't know if it was like the right way or the most efficient way, but it worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering about like, in terms of the weather, when did you, when did you get your best and worst weather? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I got a lot of rain actually on the CDT and the PCT. I think that the Appalachian trail was the dry, by far the driest trail Hmm. that I Hmm, interesting. hiked, which is crazy. Cause I was expecting that to be wet. Um, which Yeah. of course I did get some rain, but the worst weather I would say would have been in Montana in June. Um, I wasn't anticipating hiking through Montana that time of year. I thought Hmm. I was, I was hoping going into this, hoping I could, could go straight through the PCT straight through the CDT Sobo and then AT Sobo. I think that's only been done like two or three times before out of all the calendar years. Like not flipping anything? Yeah, not flipping at all. Um, Cause you have to go fast to do that. Right. Um, obviously I was going to be going fast enough to do that. I just got a little unlucky with Yeah, the I was scooter. going to say it's partly luck. So that was my goal. Um, and then uh, of course, like the whole time I was kicking my, not the whole time, but going into it, I was kicking myself for not doing it that summer before when I was talking about it, uh, when it was like a low snow year in the Sierra. But um, yeah, in Montana in June, I guess is a super rainy season. Um, and for like my first 25 days in, in Montana, I got rained on 23 of those days. Um, like the first few weeks, it was just pouring on me Mm-hmm. every Oh my day. god. Like I just had wet feet the whole way through. So that was really challenging. That was actually, I, I only took four zero days the whole time. And two of them were, um, I took a double zero uh, when I got to like Lima, uh, Montana, I believe it's called. Um, because <laughs> Hold on. the rain, You only took four zero days the entire time. yeah, yeah, I think it was four. And I took two of them. Yeah, double zero in Montana when I was seriously debating quitting. That was like the first time that I, it was like kind of entering my brain. Um, so I took a double zero. after just getting dumped on, like I said, for like three weeks straight. Mm hmm And then, cause it, cause I mean, at the same time when it, you're just getting stormed on every day, there's normally not many views. So like my time in Glacier, it was just thunderstorms and no views uh, Yeah. for most of the time. So that just weighs on you too. When like the hiking's not super enjoyable, Sure. uh, mentally that's challenging. And then, um, yeah, I'd say the best weather was maybe Northern New Mexico on the CDT. Um, Once I got out of Southern New Mexico in late May, that was super hot. Um, but then the temperatures were like a little more mild um, Mm -hmm. and I was sleeping really good with like lows in the forties, highs, like upper seventies. Um, That's pretty nice. and then of course my flip back onto the PCT, it was okay for a little bit, but then I had that hurricane tropical storm that hit the Sierra. I was in the Sierra for that. Oh, sick. And then I got a bunch of rain in, in NorCal actually. And then my, half of my time in Orion, what, like there was like a six day, they called it an atmospheric river, which I wasn't super familiar with, but I basically don't know what that is. it, it, it someone was explaining to me and it's like, it just doesn't stop rain. It just kind of goes back and forth. Like I'm used to storms just blowing over. Like Yeah. maybe it rains for like a few hours or a day and then it's gone. Like it did not stop raining for five days. I didn't see the sun for six days straight in Oregon. So that was like another really low point was when I got to Cascade Locks, like heading into Washington. I, again, I was like, I was, like quitting was on the brain. I had some really bad blisters from just like nonstop wet feet too from that storm. And that was like another really low point for me. And then when I got on the AT in October, 
in the northeast i was already getting snowed on up there a lot of snow and rain uh in maine it had been flooding like crazy um yep. and that i was meeting some northbounders that were had just skipped around the 100 mile wilderness because the fords were just like you had to swim yeah um, so i was fording every day in maine like three plus times like waist high it was crazy it was couldn't have been more different than 2019 when i went through mm-hmm and and then descending in the whites um in southern maine when it was like getting really really icy and snowy in the dark like that was incredibly challenging um i was just trying not to get injured at that point so those were kind of probably the the three most challenging parts of the of the trail weather wise yeah yeah man new england has just we got rocked all summer with with just the the amount of rain my my buddy He's he's been on my podcast a bunch. Xander Xander Kiter set the hundred mile wilderness FKT this year. Wow! It was just like a demented amount of water that he was running through. Yeah, that's impressive, man. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a swamp the whole way through. You're just <laughs> trudging, and then even I mean, parts of New Hampshire too were like super boggy. Yeah, um, so that made it a challenge. <laughs> yeah, when your feet are wet. Yeah. But... So you mentioned. Uh, quitting being on the brain and as you know there's like there's a big difference between thinking like i want to quit and thinking like sort of coming up with a plan and being like seriously considering quitting you know so were there were there any moments out there where you were actually like i'm sure you thought i want to quit like every other day but (laughs) that were there were there any moments out there where you actually seriously considered stopping and calling it good Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, of course, quitting crosses a brain uh, more frequently than, you, than you'd like, just like when you're having a tough time. But yeah, I mean, I think, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think the, the most serious points were in Montana when I took that double zero and then yeah. Oregon. Um, and then in the Northeast, I was going through it too, which is crazy to think, you know, when you're that far in, it's right. hard to fathom quitting at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when I was going through the Northeast, um yeah but i mean i would just kind of trick myself into like okay like i'll quit when i get to the next town like whenever it was serious i'd be like all right Mm. i mean because you are in the middle of the wilderness you can't just like drop (laughs) you know like you can just sit down and like you're (laughs) done like you have to hike your way out of there regardless so i'm like okay i'm quitting when i get to cascade locks for example like i'm done but then like when i get to town if it's that serious i wouldn't let myself quit like when i'm emotional or like in the heat of the moment right like i'm like mm-hmm. okay well like okay fine like let's just get a room tonight like or if you know even if it was a light day like 15 miles i'm like okay well, i'm calling it i'm getting a room i'll quit in the morning and then like you know after you have a good night's sleep in a bed you're starting to mm-hmm. feel a little better and you're like okay like you get a shower then before you know it like i'm at breakfast i have coffee in me and i'm like i just like kind of take a half day getting out of town and i'm like well all right, I'm good now. Like as I, it's a, it's amazing what taking a shower and doing laundry like can do for your spirits out there. And honestly, just like getting to town and having social interaction with people, that was like another huge thing. For sure. Just like the isolation of it. I think I probably hiked maybe 100 150 miles like shared with other hikers out there, but for the most part explaining to you how I hiked it, I was way far away from the bubbles on these trails. Yeah. So, I was yeah. isolated the whole time. So yeah, between just like getting cleaned up, talking to other people, uh, other hikers um, was like a huge morale boost. But yeah, I would just kind of not allow myself to like do anything rash um, and then tell myself I'll quit later, whatever. And then before you know it, like I'm feeling good and like 
yeah, if I needed to take a zero, like I took that double zero and that was probably the closest I came to quitting. Um, cause it was still pretty early on in the hike and it was just hard to fathom. That was the other thing is like, it's so overwhelming to think about like a seven and a half, eight month, 32 miles a day average. Like, yeah. so you really just have to take it day by day. And that kind of plays into like, okay, let's just get through this day. Let's take that shower. Let's get our laundry. Let's sleep in a bed, whatever. Just focusing in the moment. Um, cause if you do think about it in terms of the big picture, uh, that you're going to be doing a 50 K <laughs> ultra every day for eight months. <laughs> it's easy to become overwhelmed and just think there's no way I'm going to do this. Cause like if my knee's bothering me or if I'm super sore and I think that way, I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to make it another 6,000 miles. But if you just right. take it day by day and you're getting a little bit better, a little bit stronger each day, then yeah, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking when you said that it, it's hard to fathom thinking about quitting when you're, you know, when, when you're done the PCT and the CDT and you're in the, in the Northeast, but like, it's also like, man, I've, I, I don't know. They always say like the, the, what is it? The the third quarter of a race is the hardest. It's like you, yeah. you've done all these miles, but you still got 19, 1800 miles left to go. Right. It's, but, yeah. but it is what they say. Like the, the, I feel like, I think this is just like a, a through hiker saying, but just like never quit on a bad day. It's like, oh, right. if you're, if you're sitting in the 70 degree sun and looking at a beautiful sunset and you want to quit, then like maybe it's time to quit. But if, you know, if you're wet and cold yeah. and miserable and you want to quit, then you probably just need a shower. <laughs> totally. Yeah. There's a mantra I really like that I would think about a lot out there. Um, it comes from a guy named Jesse Itzler. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but um, it's just remember tomorrow. And I would tell myself that a lot. He always, it's like, remember how you'll feel tomorrow like in the heat of the moment like yeah it's great if you want to quit on mile 18 of, of your marathon but like how are you going to feel the next day you know when you're at home and you you wake up from that from that shower or i mean from that sleep or even <laughs> or after that shower um so yeah just that was something i would tell myself i'm like because i obviously put a lot into this you know i planned it out for a year and um you know i just had the support of so many people and just a financial investment and just mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, when you pour your heart and soul into something like that, and it's easy to quit when when you're really going through it. But like, how are you going to feel that next day when like when your dreams essentially kind of crushed? Um, so that was something that would get me through it uh, when I was really having those tough days. Is just thinking how I'd, how I'd feel. Like, yeah, a, a plane back to Atlanta sounds awesome, and like watching a movie, but. <laughs> You know, that would be great in the moment, but it's certainly something I'm sure I would have regretted the rest of my life. So, yeah, Out, outside of these specific moments of wanting to quit, do you think there was any do you feel like there was any sort of like development of of sort of like your mental mental strength throughout? Like, do you feel like do you feel like you started really strong mentally and sort of like drained the well throughout the effort and were hanging on at the end? Or do you feel like you you started and sort of like got stronger mentally as you went like how do how do you, how do you feel like your, your mental game progressed as the effort went? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I started super strong, um, in the sense that I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. Like I kind of went into this, like whatever happens happens and I'm going to be proud of myself regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was just happy to be starting to like get to that point and like to be able to share that, like announce that like with the world, like, you know, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Cause that's pretty overwhelming. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think like by the end I was definitely mentally exhausted. Again, I think a lot of that came from the isolation, uh, aspect mm -hmm. of it. 
Um, but I think any, like the biggest mindset change that I had was actually like at the beginning of the hike, I was like pretty stressed out just like about miles. Like if I didn't get my miles in that day, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I'm falling behind. Like, or yeah, if like that hurricane that hit the Sierra and I had like a seven mile day cause I had to seek shelter and just wait it out. I'd be like really stressed about that. Um, mm -hmm. and I think towards the end of it, I, or not even towards the end, about halfway through, I just started realizing like, I'm exactly where I need to be. Like as weird as that sounds, like a lot of, like as long as I'm doing my best every day and I can truly say that I gave it my all, like there's so much stuff that's out of your control on these hikes that you can't get caught up on. Like that snowstorm in Washington, like, you know, that, that was stressed me out a lot, having to rebook everything and like losing an entire day just like that because of the weather, but just kind of believing that I'm where I need to be. I can make up the miles down the road. Um, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, I wish I hadn't have been actually so uptight about all of that. And like, just like, Really, I think part of that too is I was tracking a lot of it on my chorus watch and just like having that tracker on all the time, I think was like stressing me out too, like having it beep every mile and stuff. I'm like, Definitely. I'm not going to make it eight months if I'm like treating this like a, like a super like fast race, you know, like, yeah. And, and yeah, so I just kind of mellowed out actually a lot and like enjoyed a lot more sunsets and sunrises. And I mean, truly, cause I mean, this isn't what you would consider a super fast effort, right? Like, yeah, sure. 32 miles is a lot, but compared to your other FKTs, it's not something crazy fast. And yeah, I can't emphasize enough. You have to be comfortable and you have to be in somewhat enjoying yourself or else just mentally you're going to burn out and you're going to quit. And had I stayed in that mindset of like, I got to get my miles in like, and, and not slowed down a little bit and just enjoyed like the actual aspects of a through hike, I don't think it would have been possible for me to make it eight months. So mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of letting go. And I had a lot of really awesome instances with just like hitches or I bumped into a couple through hikers and friends that I had met on trails previously, just out of chance, like they're hiking southbound and we'd run into each other in these crazy situations. And I just kind of kept reminding myself, like you're where you need to be, just give it your best each day. And I mean, that's all you can do. Um, especially when, you know, there's so many outside forces dealing with mother nature out there that can just <laughs> kind of throw your, your plans down the drain. And that's why logistics were so hard out there. Cause you just never know like what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. The switching gears a little bit, but I, I was wondering about the AT specifically. That's the only one of the three that I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, it is such a, I feel like the social component of the AT is so sort of built into what people think of as the fabric of that trail where right. your hike on the AT was very not that this time around mm -hmm. is, you know, very like southbound, but southbound, like super late season. Mm -hmm. um, I'm imagining basically like the AT as a ghost town. Like what did it, what did it feel like doing the AT that late? And like, what did the, did the character of the trail feel feel different than in 2019 or like how how do, how do you compare the two the two hikes yeah i mean yeah it definitely couldn't have been more different than my five month through hike yeah because i did it in like 69 days this time compared <laughs> right. to 150 um <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah as far as through hikers go i mean i hiked the entire at by myself i didn't see another actual through hiker until uh like my last week or two wow. i think <laughs> like when i got to boots off hostel i think i had seen someone like a couple of days before that um so around like grayson highlands i think is when i passed another through hiker mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so in terms of through hikers, yeah, it was a ghost town, but, um, there were still a lot of people out day hiking, um, just because it is, it's so close to towns compared to like the CDT and the PCT. Um, it actually didn't feel that lonely, um, compared to those. Cause I was walking through towns and like being able to go through, right. um, or stay in a hostel, um, which I actually ended up really appreciating a lot at the beginning, like Shaw's hostel was still open. Some of those hostels up in the Northeast were still open for through hikers, which was mm -hmm. nice. So it felt like more familiar. And then once I got out of the Northeast, like everything was closed, essentially, um, yeah. boots off was open year round, but outside of that, um, yeah, there weren't very many through hiker services open, like everything in the Shenandoah was closed. So stuff like that, that like, kind of makes the hike a little bit easier on the AT, like the amenities and services were closed. And so mm -hmm. you couldn't always rely on stuff like that. Like I had to kind of be on top of my logistics as far as that goes. Um, I had the shelters all to myself for the most part, which was pretty awesome. Um, and there weren't any bugs really that time of year. So yeah, I was able to just like sleep in the shelters, like super comfortably. That's really nice. Um, and it was nice for some of that dodgy cold weather when I'd get really wet and it was like below 40 out and I'd just be you know, hiking through the rain for 14 hours, I was able to bail off a couple times and like stay in town uh, just because it was the proximity of the trail to the to towns was a lot more ideal. But yeah, I mean, it was lonely. Uh, the entire thing was like pretty lonely um, outside of resupplying. <laughs> I hiked pretty much most of it by myself. Sure. That's interesting. And so you said if you if you go back and choose well, I guess you alluded to it maybe, but if you could go back and, and choose whether to do it self-supported or supported and just like see more people, uh, do yeah. you, I don't know. I mean, there, there's something to be gained from sort of a, a solitary, lonely experience too, though. You know, that's not, totally. it's not all bad. What, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on the, yeah. the two sort of different ways to do it? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, because I mean, you can still, I, I'm sure most people that have done a uh, uh, calendar year do it so, like 90% self supported. Yeah. But again, I mean, just in typical through hiker fashion, you're going to have friends and family come out because, I mean, at right. least on my AT adventure, I had family meet me and, you know, but I still carried my pack the whole way. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe I would do it again that way and just maybe see people along the way that wanted to come see me. Um, even like the people that I didn't know, like I had some family that would have wanted to come see me, but at a certain point I was also worried that if I started doing that too, that logistically it would start complicating things and actually slowing me down. Like, cause a mm. lot of times, you know, I didn't know like how far I was going to hike that day. So when people are like, Oh, when, it, what's your ETA to getting to this highway? Yeah. Like, oh, it makes it really trail magic. Then I would feel that pressure to get there. Whereas yeah. if my knee was bothering me and I wanted to cut my day short, but uh, like I have a friend waiting for me. Like, so at, yeah, in a sense, it was awesome. And it was great, like getting those messages from friends and family and, and strangers, like I use that as fuel. But at the same time, going self supported actually gave me an excuse to like not do that. Because like, when you're setting the record, I think that could actually slow you down or stress you out. Totally. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, having family come visit would have been nice for sure. I was yeah, I was pretty lonely there on the AT, just hiking in the dark at night. That was a struggle, yeah. uh, seriously. So, but yeah, I mean, it made, yeah, those interactions I had with hitches and just people like trail magic or just people that would hear my story and like write me nice notes. Like I really enjoyed that and like use that as fuel, um, mm -hmm. especially on the AT in winter when like it's pretty barren out there. There's not like <laughs> a ton to see. 
Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those human interactions kind of kept me going there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so I'm just realizing like earlier you said like most of the packages you got were like shoes or, or replacement gear. So were did you pretty much buy all your food at like grocery stores and gas stations and stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah. The, pretty much the entire thing. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the thought of sending boxes along the way, just again, that would have stressed me out so much. Yeah. Um, just even trying to like get that shoe box every two weeks. Like if I looked like I might be getting to town like on a weekend, I wouldn't have them send it to a post office because you just never know. Right. Right. Like a tropical storm could hit and you, your day gets cut short. So like even just having her send that out when I'm trying to do over 30 miles a day, I can't just like wait around in a town because I miss the post office hours or like the store closed or whatever. So like, yeah, I didn't look forward to like having to plan out like where just to ship that one box every two weeks. So like the thought of trying to get more food sent to me along the way would have just kind of stressed me out. Yeah, that's super fair at the like the flip side of that as I'm picturing like, all right, I need to pull 36 miles a day. And I go into the the gas station in some town in New Mexico, and all they have uh-huh. are ramen and gummy bears. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess that's what I'm doing. You're telling me, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. There was like a moment there at the end of the AT, like I literally felt like I could not stomach just snacks anymore, and I like was in a gas station, and yeah, I nearly like cried. I was like about to tear up just like looking around at the food, like thinking that I was about to have to eat this for the next like two days to when I got to like an actual like grocery store. It was yeah. Like I, I mean I said it earlier, it truly was my least favorite part of the experience was the diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's super fair. Um okay. Backtracking a lot. I'm I'm interested in your prep for this. You said you were you were snowboard instructing. So it sounds mm-hmm. like the physical prep wasn't too wasn't too uh extensive but like what was i mean from the outsider perspective is like oh this guy just averaged 32 miles a day for 234 days like Mm -hmm. and and he's he's telling me that he he basically like off the couched it like so what mental and physical prep like what what did what did you do yeah i mean so yeah my build up to this i mean like was not much at all like and especially because I was in steamboat, like this was my first time really spending a winter somewhere where I couldn't like run outside all that much. So I was just mm-hmm. like running on the treadmill. No more than 10 miles would be like a long run. So really, I was just doing a few miles a day on the treadmill. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when people ask, like, how did you train for this? Yeah, I didn't immediately train for it. Those like like months going into it for one I didn't like how do you train to do over 30 miles a day right without injuring yourself so I knew I would hike myself into shape at a certain point and like get my trail legs but I mean basically everything since 2019 those 5,000 miles that I put in doing long distance hiking that's like the real training um being able to have your gear like pretty dialed in like knowing what you're doing going into it um Mm -hmm. is a huge component and just yeah, the biggest lesson I learned from all those miles going into this was just the ability to be uh, uncomfortable being uncomfortable, uh, which is essentially an, like what a through hiking is. It's mm. just enduring all that and yeah, just living to see another day. And so yeah. I like all outside of like being forced off the PCT, I hadn't like quit a through hiker or quit an ultra marathon. So yeah, I guess to get into the ultra running thing, I had been um, after 2019 
I had been road running prior to that. And then I loved hiking through hiking. And so trail running, obviously just kind of like the perfect mix. So I had run a few ultra marathons. Um, yeah, with the first, I had run one, 100 and then a couple fifties and then, yeah, I would, I would just run, do some for fun, like the rim to rim to rim. I've done that. And then mm-hmm. on Hawaii, I ran the call out where, call out trail um in and out twice in one day and so i would just like go trail run for fun and like do ultras not always in race format uh but yeah i mean building up to this um but i wasn't placing in any of those like don't get me wrong, i wasn't like i'm not some super fast ultra runner like famous runner sponsored or anything like that <laughs> i was just like for the pure enjoyment of running and being outside um but yeah the, just the prior through hikes um like i said in October, I did the Arizona Trail, October, November. And that's when I started really toying around with 30s. I'd only done them like like a handful of them um, mm-hmm. in my prior through hikes, like less than five. So that trail, I was trying to consistently hit around 30. And I probably averaged like 29 or something like that. Um, but yeah, and then I just figured if I could if I could do upper, upper 20s, low 30s on the Arizona Trail, that I would eventually... Um, yeah, hike myself into shape onto this trail because yeah, I didn't want to get injured before it. I didn't want to really be putting in huge miles every day going mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that makes sense. I I feel like the volume the volume that you put in over years when it comes to through hiking is is like so big and it it's it sticks around. Like you might, you know, you you still have to like hike yourself into shape, but it. I'm sure, well, I, I'm sure it was like much, much faster hiking yourself into shape than, than it would have been if this was your first through hike. Right. You know, plus, plus, like you said, the ability to like the experience, the ability to know what you're doing out there and to like be able to improvise and know what to do when things go wrong. That's like so huge and saves you so much time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had, I've obviously hiked the AT before, so that's like a huge right. advantage knowing what's coming. I had hiked part of the PCT, a thousand miles of the PCT, and I'd done the Colorado Trail and the CDT. So that was like kind of my training and experience going into it that mm-hmm. led me to some confidence of having the, but yeah, just the confidence to think that I had the idea that I could possibly do this. But even, like I said, even going into it, I wasn't sure um, <laughs> what would happen. <laughs> uh yeah i knew staying healthy was a huge component of it and then just yeah being comfortable being uncomfortable if you can just live to see another day and that's the main thing out there yeah no definitely all right we've covered like just vr conversation we covered most of the things i wanted to talk about but i have a few like random things so this is going to seem very jumping aroundy but um i we we talked about some of the lows of of the hike i wanted to i wanted to get your your highs of each trail maybe like the the high point of of uh of three different experiences yeah um yeah i mean i think the at obviously finishing was awesome but getting to katahdin (laughs) katahdin was awesome uh like summiting that and like seeing my first white blaze on that trail Mm -hmm. and just also knowing like logistically the AT is way easier than the CDT and the PCT. Like I just knew all I had to do was follow the white blazes. I'm walking home to Georgia. So that was just like a huge morale boost the whole way. So when I For got sure. to Maine and it just felt like home, that trail, it kind of holds a special place in my heart being my first through hike. That was awesome. Um, and you've done the whole thing. You're on home turf the rest of the way. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, yeah. And then I get my butt kicked <laughs> right when I enter the hundred mile wilderness in New Hampshire. But yeah, up until then, um, let's see the CDT. I think the wind river range was awesome. Mm, I've um, heard great things about that place. Dude, yeah, It's incredible. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that section. I actually really enjoyed Northern New Mexico. Um, yeah, as well. Um, yeah. And then the PCT, just the entire Sierra, I feel like I just had like a, a smile on my face. That was my first time seeing those mountains and mm. they're insane. It's like nothing else. I, I mean, even just compared to the winds, I still think it was just a lot more incredible. It was just a lot bigger. I feel like the winds I went through in like two days in the Sierra, I spent like a couple of weeks in there. And yeah, yeah. That sure. place is magical. Um yeah that and then i had like two really cool instances where i bumped into like former through hiking buddies that mm. we didn't even know we were like on trail and like near each other mm. um and that like each time that happened um that was like really awesome like huge morale boost too um, yeah that's awesome but yeah those were like my favorite sections to hike through um yeah <laughs> cool uh and then any uh any interesting or scary or crazy wildlife encounters um nothing super scary i did see a couple grizzlies on the cdt in montana i did have like one encounter at night but it was the the bear was running away from me Mm. um yeah so honestly yeah all my bear encounters were like pretty pretty mellow like the grizzlies were far away um i only saw a couple black bear um on the other trails didn't see any mountain lions or anything like that. I saw a ton of moose in Colorado. Yep. Um, yeah. Again, but they were, they were super close to me, but they were, yeah, they were like willingly kind of like walking towards me, I guess. So yeah, <laughs> nothing, honestly, nothing like, yeah, a lot of people like to ask that question, but nothing super crazy or like fearful, to be honest. I think like the only, like the scariest things that, that happened were just maybe like two instances where I was like a little nervous about like hypothermia. Mm, um, interesting yeah one being in montana and glacier um yeah just not being prepared with like rain gear i kind of flipped up there pretty suddenly like we talked about i wasn't planning on being up there in like june and i didn't think it was going to be raining as much and it was i was up going over passes bridges weren't in so i was fording through like freezing cold water and yeah i could just like yeah if i stopped i was like jackhammering like shivering and yeah, i had God. a ways to go to like road cross you know so just non-stop hiking that kind of thing there were like two two times where that kind of happened maybe but mm-hmm. yeah but i think again a lot of it goes back to having done these five thousand miles before this of through hiking you you experience a lot of that wildlife and stuff and kind of know how to react the only thing that was new for me was being in grizzly country which i was carrying bear spray through that section but yeah um yeah sorry to disappoint <laughs> no no that's interesting Nothing crazy though no it's good to know no mountain lion encounters no i feel like that's the thing that freaks me out the most about going yeah. to to those areas yeah right um yeah I, I mean i'm sure i was near them i just never saw them which is i'm sure the yeah, good thing. Yeah. i did have a ton of rattlesnake encounters I no mean, interesting yeah. I mean, I got rattled at quite a bit. I nearly <laughs> stepped on one. Honestly, that was probably the scariest one is at one point I was just walking. One came right out of the bush as I was walking in between my legs. Like I stepped over it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, and that was like, that was definitely like the scariest encounter that made my heart race a little bit. But I mean, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy with the snakes. But yeah, I just had to kind of 
keep your eyes peeled, especially when you're night hiking in like New Mexico, you know, yeah. um, seeing them at night was a little creepy. And then I would proceed to cowboy camp, you know, like an hour later after seeing a rattlesnake <laughs> out there, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I love snakes. So, uh, how do you see this route going faster? Like where, where do you think there's for the future person who's listening to this being like, I want to be the next Wahoo <laughs> where, what do yeah. you think? What do you think it is that will take this down next? Uh, don't bring a camera and don't post on Instagram. <laughs> I, I'm sure I could have like, no doubt could have saved like three, four days easily. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just like, but again, that's what brought me joy. And like, who's sure. to say if I didn't bring that and I didn't, taking the photos brought me a lot of joy. And then also just like being able to post and like have family. Cause I, especially when you can't see family and friends, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of important for me to be able to connect. And I knew I wanted to document the journey in some capacity, but when it started getting close on the AT, when I realized like, Oh man, like I'm going to be cutting this pretty close. Like I was hoping to finish December 18th was like my target date. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I think the main thing that slowed me down was flipping trails and like the snow in the Sierra. Cause even when I got back on in August, I mean, there was still snow up there. Like, whereas any other year, I'm sure you could have breezed through that section. And I mean, that still slowed me down some. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the way, if you get a good weather year, I think you could easily shave off several days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not taking as many photos or posting stories and stuff like that. Cause you know, I mean, I'm sure you know how it goes just, hiking like you might have bad service and then your video won't upload and then you wait for it to upload <laughs> and then i think like you messaged me at one point i was like in the dartmouth dining hall like burning like half of a day for one enjoying the buffet but i was also like going through photos i was like i haven't posted an update in like two weeks mm-hmm. and yeah i burned a lot of time doing that um and then yeah just yeah i don't know just cowboy camp like if i had done that stuff i told you at the beginning where i was like setting up my tent every day and like sitting down like making a meal like i yeah if i hopped back on right now like obviously there's so many things i could shave shave time on but yeah i was just going through like being accustomed to through hiking more than like fkts i was just going through my through hiking ritual of like right. setting up camp brushing my teeth in camp like mm-hmm. all this stuff like i started out wearing contacts and then Cause I, even when I through hike, I wear contacts, but I realized by wearing glasses, I would be saving like 10 ish minutes, at least a day. It's <laughs> just putting those on it without a mirror, like with yeah. dirty hands. Like, I mean it, that 10 minutes, you know, every two days, that's 20 minutes, which is one mile. And then I like did the math. I'm like, I could shave two days by just wearing my glasses. But like, <laughs> I didn't think about all this stuff beforehand, but yeah, when you're out there, it becomes apparent, like what's eating your time and what's not. And you just have to make sacrifices, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, like people could do it like with a lighter pack for sure. Like I said, I carried like 30 pounds almost the entire way. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was just to keep me comfortable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you're, yeah, more comfortable with being in, yeah, carrying less gear and stuff like that, um, then you could definitely do it faster because that made a big difference too. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Um, So where, if anything, I mean, you've been off trail for 10 days, so uh, you don't, you don't need to answer this, but I always like to ask mm-hmm. people if you had to pick something, what's, what, is there anything that, that sparks your interest? Is there anything that you'd say, Oh, maybe that's the next adventure. Oh um, yeah. That's a good question. I mean, having f- like attempted and failed the Penhody trail, I've been like itching just for like redemption on that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. So 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not far at all for me. I wasn't sure how the recovery, how the recovery process was going to go. Um, cause like, I know I have this like insane base under me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And I kind of want to like, part of you is like, Oh, I can't let this base like go to waste, you know? And you like want to <laughs> jump right into something. And then, yeah, I tried to run like three miles the other day and I was, it was so slow and sore. And I was like, yeah, this is not it right now. I got to recover a little more. So I think I'm going to get more into like yoga and stretching right now and good before plan. I get into running. But to answer your question, I would like to one day, whether it's soon or not, hop back on the Pinhoti and see if I can do the self-supported record. And then um, I'm planning on moving to New Zealand actually soon. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I want to take advantage of like the working holiday visa they offer before you're like 30. Yep. 29 now. So um, yeah, I think I'm going to move to New Zealand for a year and they have like the TA, the, I can't pronounce that trail right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Anyways, they have a cool trail over there. I don't know if I'll do it or like FKT it or just through hike it. And that's the thing. Like after doing this, I really want to like honestly like go on just backpacking trips that sound like at a slower pace with like friends right. and enjoy it. But at the same time, now I, I do kind of want to like see if I'm capable of breaking maybe some shorter, faster records after doing kind of the long, slow one. So sure. Um yeah. Yeah, maybe one of those two might be my next adventure. We'll see. That's super fair. That's exciting. That's it seems like there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Um, and I want to get back into ultra running. To be honest, uh, I just miss running when I'm through hiking like that. I like I was just excited to finish, so I wouldn't have thirty pounds on my back all the time. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, it's, it's such a luxury to not carry yeah. anything. So I am excited to like just race some ultra marathons just for fun and like get back into the running scene. Yeah, that'll be sweet um anything we've missed anything that you want the people to know in your first podcast appearance oh man um <laughs> i don't know i think yeah i think what you're saying about um just like people who want to be the next wahoo or whatever like i think a lot of people actually can do this like are capable of doing this I, like i mentioned like i'm not some sponsored athlete ultra runner like mm. i was just running for fun not placing in races um a lot of this just comes down to like grit and like yeah just the ability to endure um through hard times um so yeah i think if someone was listening to this and wondering whether or not they could even just doing the calendar year um I think, I think a lot of people are capable of doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've said this yeah, before. I would just say go for it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I, mean, I didn't have any qualification or anything that would, I mean, when you look at the names like Heather Anderson and Jeff Garmeyer listed on the FKT, like why, like why would I think that I could do that? Right. Right. Um, but you never know if you don't try. Um, so at least just, yeah, if you're thinking about it and, and something you're someone interested in, like go for it. And you don't have to have this crazy buildup to something like this like you can definitely hike yourself into shape um maybe yeah. not off the couch but if you have some through hikes under your belt like i would say go for it for sure i it's good to hear because i i feel like the the podcast listeners are probably sick of hearing me say this but like i always say i have i have some some multi-day uh fkts in new england and and i mm -hmm. always say like i'm pretty sure like i was a i was a slightly above average in terms of speed at through hiker it's like i i'm pretty sure there are a lot of through hikers who could do this stuff and they and they uh -huh. either don't believe in themselves or don't want to. if they don't want to like whatever that's fine but if you're you know if you just don't believe in yourself like you if you like two thousand miles you can you can endure a lot obviously and you have totally. a good base and 
yeah, just give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you had no idea who I was before this. I mean, as did right. the rest of like the through hiking world. Besides, you know, people I've hiked with. So I mean, yeah. At a certain point, yeah, to to break a record or become known or whatever, whatever your goal is. Like, I mean, you have you have to start somewhere, right? Um, and for me. This was actually, I mean, for me, it was a failed Pinhoti trail attempt. Like, and I, and for me, I remember when I failed that attempt, like quitting, because that was like the real first time I've quit something like, like that, like an athletic um, goal. Like my through hikes, I had all successfully completed my ultra marathons. I would successfully completed, but at a certain point I was like, maybe I'm not pushing myself hard enough. If that's mm -hmm. what I was aiming for was to go bigger and faster like you have to find your limits and I remember like when I quit that trail and I got home I was actually I thought I was going to be super disappointed that I had made it you know pretty far into it and didn't get it but I was like really proud of myself and I actually felt like strangely at ease and like didn't regret anything because I knew like my feet were destroyed I couldn't walk I I quit because I find I couldn't sleep because my feet were just throbbing so bad that I wasn't even able Ugh. to sleep and that's when I finally just called it um but yeah, I knew I had given it my everything and I, and then I kind of found my limits and then, yeah, I used what I learned from that experience and kind of bounced back stronger on this. And then I'm excited to take my knowledge that I have from this and maybe put it towards another Pinoti trail effort down the, down the road. But yeah, you have to start somewhere. And even if you fail, like at least, at least you gave it a shot and you're, you're pushing that boundary. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Um, Go swing for the fences, podcast listener. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it panned uh, out on this one for me, so I'm thankful. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations, man. Thank um, you. It's an incredible effort. I'm. I, I was excited to see it. I. It's been. It. That 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 record's been sitting on the FKT page for a few years. Been. It's been asking for it, and you. Yeah. You, you gave it to it, so that was sweet. Thanks, man. Um, where can the people find you? um yeah i basically just only post on instagram so it's just my name billy meredith and then i think there's an underscore at the end but yeah that's mostly where i post um these days so yeah i'll be be posting whatever i get up to new zealand stuff i'm excited to, to see what that's all about but right on that's it cool man well it's been a pleasure thanks again for coming Likewise. on I, I appreciate your time and yeah uh, thanks for having me it was absolutely. a pleasure first podcast first <laughs> podcast let's go all right <laughs>